0: This is Fine, episode 2.1. That was the year that was. Um, so, well, it's uh it's been a few months, uh listeners, and uh we are here to uh announce that we are back in our bullshit as the kids on Twitter say.
1: Yeah, the babies are finally old enough for us to record a podcast again.
0: That's right. That's right. We uh, we had uh, we both had had babies within two months of each other, and this podcast is now all dad chat all the time.
1: That's right. So if you tuned in for politics, too bad diapers.
0: Yeah, that's right. We're just it's going to be just like diaper reviews and uh, you know toys and like whatever.
1: We're we're joined by our friend Chapo Reject and Talking Points Memo <laughs> journalist Sam Thielman.
2: I've been rejected by many people not just, you know, not 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 just the elite left um I want to say. Do you want to introduce uh, <laughs> yourself a little bit, Sam? <laughs> yes. Uh hi. Uh thank you guys again for having me on. Um I'm i uh, I'm a reporter for Talking Points Memo. Um I write about comics for the Guardian. I uh, can be found at bookstores within a 1 mile radius of Union Square uh most afternoons and um yeah, no, it's uh it's it's nice to be here. I also have had a child recently, and we can discuss uh, whether or not our, our, um, our, our, the, our diapers are, like, approaching the ideal uh, peanut buttery consistency that we've been told by the pediatricians to maintain. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there, there, there go your last two or three followers. Sorry, guys. So speaking of the <laughs> peanut
1: buttery consistency of infant shit – uh where in politics do we want to start what what part of this administration
0: i just i just want to say that like i don't know if it's no i do know this year has definitely not been like from a material standpoint the worst year in united states history but it i think it's by any measure the stupidest that's that's my judgment
2: genetic consequences (laughs) <laughs> like, all three of us have had kids in the last 11 months. that's right you really don't know
0: how it influences
2: no.
1: <laughs> yeah it, it's funny because you know we of course had worse presidents uh than donald trump i mean pretty much everyone between andrew jackson and and uh, buchanan is a contender uh but the federal government did a lot less um yeah and also you know i wasn't alive so, so this one for, for for me personally, and I assume for all of our listeners, unless there's a secret 150 uh, year old listening to podcasts. If so, good for you. Uh, yeah, no, this is probably the the I think the worst political year uh, in our at least in our recent history.
2: Well, I just and I, I do want to say that the secret 150 year old, according to Infowars, uh, and an outlet endorsed by the president, is is you know Adolf Hitler. <laughs> Obviously, um, <laughs> right? Who is, who is still alive, according to um, Infowars, Owen Troyer? So, um,
1: so, how do we how do we want to take the stupid? Because I think Sam brings up a good point. Um, we've reached a sort of, uh, I think, what Dave Roberts at Vox calls an epistemic meltdown, and I think that's true. I mean, it's one thing when we had a campaign season where there was a lot of fake news, um, but I think it's it's different to have a president. I I'm not convinced that you know, like 30% of the country or whatever believes anything. Um, (laughs) And I think that's, that's bad. I mean, you know, like, uh, it just seems very strange to me that, that we've decided to, uh, I'm actually not sure that our country really can function without some sort of uh, collective understanding of what truth is like that that seems like a really fun, fundamental obstacle to getting anything done.
2: No, and it's so terrifying and um a uh, ep- epistemic crisis is is a great way to put it and um Elizabeth Bernig on um on Twitter called it a, I think she called it a legitimacy crisis or a legitimation crisis um in the sense that you know everybody no one trusts no two people trust the same set of news sources and the ones that there is general consensus on is crazy shit like alex jones and louise mench's twitter feed like the the, the this is just it, it it's I, so i um w- one of the one of the weirder things i enjoy doing is watching congressional hearings uh and um the the hearings on the um propaganda ad purchases by um various russian branches of military intelligence um were like a major topic of two different hearings the other day. They were really interesting hearings. And it was one of those things where you, you, know, like, I loathe Trey Gowdy, and I don't particularly like Marco Rubio either. But you look at these guys, and when they're, when they're not grandstanding, when they're not campaigning and just saying loathsome, hateful things to get elected by people who are very dumb, they're actually doing their jobs in a reasonable way. Like, watching these guys go after people who have clearly broken the law is is really like energizing because they have like a strong sense of the authority of the law and of and and they have like a healthy sense of outrage at these giant multibillion dollar companies that they, you know, haven't regulated very well, but that are that are in fact like uh, flouting the law. So, Sam, you've you've
1: reported out some of the Russian uh, interference in our electoral process. Do we know exactly who did buy these ads? And and just to confirm, what laws were Facebook and and Twitter and others violating by selling to selling ad space to foreign nationals? Well,
2: so uh, let me, if, if you don't mind, I'm just I just really quickly finish this point. Yeah, yeah um, of course, is, Which is that? The, no, no, no. It's it's okay. I was <laughs> too long. But um, the my my only point is that you know Gaudi and Rubio again are people I would rather eat glass than vote for, but I don't think they're like evil monsters. And then I think there are people in Congress who actually are evil monsters. Like that that is a weird change that I think is like really underrated over the last few years is that we now have nuts like Ted Cruz in our legislative bodies. like we, we used to just have people who disingenuously pandered to nuts because nuts were their constituents but now, now we actually have the inmates running the asylum which is terrifying um, but in, in terms of the actual laws that were violated it's just just they were just flouting campaign finance regulation and I mean a lot like the Foreign um, Agents Registration Act which Paul Manafort is being uh, prosecuted under um, campaign finance violations almost never get prosecuted but like Paul Manafort, who for nine years refused to register as a foreign agent while openly lobbying for, like, fucking Erdogan, um, Facebook was accepting payment for political ads in rubles. Right. <laughs> don't, That's don't, cool. Don't do that. <laughs> right.
1: All those U.S. citizens who were paying in rubles from Russian yeah. government. Well, accounts. and the
2: weird thing is they, you know, they it's Facebook, Twitter, and Google being called on the carpet during these hearings, and the um the google guy creepily used to work for the intellectual property arm of the department of justice and one of the right. So someone on Senate Intel is like, would you please promise the American people right now under oath that your company will stop take, taking payment in rubles? And he was like, well, it might be a, you know, we'd investigate the signal. But of course, that seems like a good indicator. But we, you know, we if it was a correct indicator, then of course we wouldn't. Well, and it was just and the, and the, the point he was clearly making is that, oh, well, if that's if and at the same time, they're telling people that they spent like negligible, negligible amounts of money, like a couple of grand on these ads on each of these platforms. So before Congress, this guy is saying the two grand we might lose from a legitimate company paying in rubles through a Cypriot PayPal knockoff called Kiwi is worth it to us. Like, it, like it's, it's not worth it to us to lose that money even if it means violating campaign finance law in the most flagrant possible way.
0: So so actually, um, there was something I wanted to say about this, which is that there was this interesting article uh, in uh, New York Magazine, which we'll link to in the show notes about sort of, it, it was like a couple weeks ago. And I believe the headline was something like, does even Mark Zuckerberg know what Facebook is? Um, and yeah, unfortunately, no, the, the, <laughs> yeah, the answer is no. But unfortunately, the article like, <laughs> didn't actually try to answer this question and sort of like veered off into like personal writing about Mark Zuckerberg, which I'm totally not interested in. Right. Uh, But the thing that's interesting to me actually is that there is this like, I think, very real uh, aspect to these behemoths like Facebook and Google and Twitter that they do not actually know very much about how to like police themselves. Um, Like they don't they don't want to know because it's a difficult process, but also it's like they just don't, right? They yeah. there's this there's this factor that uh, needs to be understood, which is that when you um, when you have these algorithms, right, and they're reacting to the stuff that people do, it is just not possible in like some abstract sense to project like how is this all going to play out. You're just yeah. like, you, know, you and, know, and I mean, and well, they, they, don't don't, have, they don't have like, yeah, they don't have the technology to do it. They don't have the people.
1: But they importantly, they don't have the people, right? Yeah. These the entire yeah. business models of the people who have swallowed and eaten up all media and all advertising dollars, modulo TV ads for beer and cars uh, in the United States. Their whole point is like, oh, we just hire coders. Like, it's so great. We don't need editors <laughs> yeah, to do anything. just smarter algorithms. Yeah, it's just algorithms and coders. And the problem is it's like, oh, well, it's just not possible for us to review. No, it is possible. It's not possible yeah. under your current business model, which yeah. is to steal other people's well, content and not have any human What they mean is that it's not pay. profitable
2: that's right. it's not, right. it's, not it's it's yeah. not something where their balance sheet is gonna is is, is gonna survive and i mean it's important to, i actually I, I wrote a long thing about this um a month or two ago with uh, a woman named rebecca mckinnon who i just admire tremendously and runs a uh, runs a sort of sub sub think tank at the new america foundation dedicated to um uh to to mapping out what rights exactly are guaranteed to you by end user license agreements which is just an incredibly thankless task but she. She has a lot of good opinions on this and one of the things that she said is that first off th- you're exactly right like and this is a this is a feature not a bug. like this is the this is the proposition this isn't like some random this isn't like an accident that they stumbled over uh, like years into it the, the proposition is that you create a platform that polices speech automatically like facebook and twitter never advertised a free speech platform blogger advertised a free speech platform. You know, GoDaddy is a free is a free speech platform. Like these places verify they make distinct editorial decisions like verifying some users and not others, giving some users more characters than others and taking down certain t- kinds of content because they violate intellectual property law or um, you know, offend certain sensibilities and then then they automate it. Twitter has one employee for every 77,000 users. Which is not enough. Yeah. <laughs>
1: um, and, but the, and, the other... and you're right, too, on that. When they do actually put in uh, sort of human guardrails or, or tweak the algorithm to take down stuff, it is almost exclusively at the behest of large state actors or large advertisers. It's, you know, I mean... Basically, Twitter's response, right, to women being called the most vile things ever for for years and years, was roughly like, "Well, you're 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 not an important revenue source for us, right? Like, I mean, that was yeah. that was basically, like, it, it's it's uh, it's not possible for us to hire people to to stop all these things from happening because yeah. you don't give us any money." Um, a friend of mine
2: who's a feminist columnist of the Guardian said she just thinks of the internet as a. Uh, she she's tw- she tweeted the other day that uh, uh, I think was, I, I think this is Jessica Valenti that the internet is a machine that runs on women's misery, um, which I think is n- not wrong, um, but it's also uh, the the other thing that's like weird and important about this is that um it, well you, so you mentioned that they eat all the ad dollars which is a, a like a huge problem for legitimate media, um. But they also comprise most of the Internet. Somebody called it the CompuServe of Things, like, as opposed to the Internet of Things, because it's, like <laughs> <right? laughs> it's like a terrible walled garden where, like, people just come in and they're told the six things they can do. And because most people don't like infinite options, they like six options, they gravitate towards it. Um, so yeah, it's, it's weirdly become the internet in a way that I think is, is probably not, not much good.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, I think this is to, to a real dangerous point in my own, I, am a voracious newsreader and I think both, both of you are as well. I find very troublingly that unless it's the times or the post or maybe the guardian, if I'm reading an article from another source and I track back, where did I see that it's Facebook or Twitter. And that's really problematic because I, I've been trained to, oh, go to my feed and see what people are doing, as opposed to investigating by myself, which means, right, I'm exactly, I'm letting them, I'm letting Zuckerberg, our 2020 Democratic nominee for president, like CompuServe me in terms of my, yeah. uh, my media uh, consumption.
2: Well, and this is really bad for individual reporters. In fact, and I so this is a really embarrassing and shitty thing that I did, and I recommend against it to everyone uh, who, who who hears this. Which is that I I, um, I noticed somebody had written an article on how Richard Spencer doesn't think women should have the vote, and. Um, I made like a, I just, I just looked at the headline. I didn't look at the byline and I made some shitty remark about how, you know, it's great that people are interviewing reclusive media figures like Richard Spencer. And the, and it turned out that this was a guy I know who had written the article and he DM'd me and he was like, and he was like, Hey, I don't know you well, but I really respect your politics. And I was wondering what you think I should have done differently. I was like, Oh, I'm sorry. i you know, I, I wasn't like trying to go at you on that. I was just, you know, farting out a joke on Twitter, like a jerk. And, um, it, we ended up just this, this culminated in us getting lunch together. But, um, the thing that he said to me was that he had, he had done a long article on how, uh, white supremacists were using the Colin Kaepernick, um, controversy to recruit racist football fans. And it's, it's a really good article and I highly recommend it to you. It's by Michael Hayden. It's uh, it's at uh, Newsweek. go read it. But, um, as part, of, so he interviewed a bunch of these sort of Nazi shitheads, and among them was Richard Spencer. And Spencer gave him a long interview, and he said a bunch of really dumb stuff. And as a sidebar to this article, um, Michael knocked out, you know. 200 words on how um, Richard Spencer was such a douchebag, he doesn't even think women should be allowed to vote. And they posted it as a separate article. Now, if this is in a newspaper or a magazine, you have a giant feature on racist football fans being recruited by white supremacists and, you and then, then you have 200 bar. words yeah. on the side. Yeah, exactly. You have like a little box. that's like, by the way, this is what an asshole Richard Spencer is. But on the Internet, those are all discrete pieces of content. Nobody goes to the Newsweek homepage. Nobody goes to um, n- nobody buys the magazine on the newsstand anymore it gets tweeted out alongside everything else and the people who get to decide what's useful and interesting are the people on twitter and twitter is a it, it's a hive of nazis because it is a place that says it doesn't have any speech codes and people who take control of places without any speech codes are people who want to say things that no one else will tolerate
1: <laughs> yeah and and, so, and this is yeah. for the half of our listeners who aren't journalists Um, like what you know? What what horrified me when I found this out? Basically, do you know how much people read of any given story? Even the stories that they are clicking
2: through Twitter. and Unfortunately, I do know. Yes, yes. Sam knows. (laughs) It's
1: like it's not even the top ten percent of any article. I'm a
2: reporter. I have no business not knowing that my friend Michael wrote an article that I'm tweeting about. Like, that's ridiculous. That's like professional malpractice. But you see but the stats.
1: They're actual re- stats, right? And the stats are literally like people stop. Yeah. They read like the headline and maybe the lead. And then like you lose all your audience. Like
2: not Yeah. Valid. If I, if I had a, if we had read time. So uh, when I was at the guardian, they, we had a really good tool called OFAN that would tell us some, um, how much we could, uh, that would tell us everything about reader statistics. And, um, and uh i may have mentioned this on the last time i was on but um Ofan would tell you the length, like the the read time uh the average read time and if you got an average read time of more than a minute um it was like time to open the champagne like that that was an amazing accomplishment if you had gotten people past what i assume is the second or third paragraph um, so yeah it's It's great (laughs) it's it's real good
0: um yeah nobody reads anything and everybody's convinced they know everything it's the best yeah so
1: so actually jerry then (laughs) do we have the president we deserve as a nation
0: well yeah i mean in some ways like i don't know i don't know about deserve but i feel like we certainly have the president that we have in many ways prepared ourselves for like um you know i i i tend to think that you know like we don't we don't deserve it but we have it because the you know the foundations for i was you know i was thinking back to this the article uh, that we mentioned earlier the uh, david roberts piece on vox about like you know epistemic tribalism and all this kind of all this kind of stuff i mean none of that is new um you know roberts I, has been writing about this a lot uh, other people have written about this um you know going back decades uh you know the the ur er text i think here might be uh you know it's very likely um uh uh richard Hofstadter's the paranoid style in american politics uh which i also recommend people just you know go out go and check out because what you see if you like read those things is that this has been building for a long time like the foundation for getting to where we are right now have been being, we're being laid, you know, decades and decades and decades ago because people are being prepared to believe like the most ridiculous, like the, the most ridiculous and insane things. Right. Like there were people you yeah. know, in the 50s who were who were uh, passing out pamphlets talking about how Eisenhower was a communist agent. Um, and that's like just as deranged as anything else you might hear today. Um, but it's just like the difference is now that there are a lot more of those people. And passing out those pamphlets is no longer, like, labor-intensive. You just click on a thing, and out it goes.
1: But, but also, there there are no gatekeepers. I mean, we don't That's have to go true. back there to the... That's no, true. There have, are no gatekeepers we don't have anymore. to go back to the birchers. There are two incidents that a number of journalists have cited, but I think they're really important for, for what has happened, even very recently, even in the Internet world. George Allen said macaca, a slur that, honestly, I don't even know... Does anyone remember that slur? What like he said yeah, yeah. macaca? I, I remember the
2: incident. But it I It killed I don't, yeah. his campaign. I'd never heard that before. Right. No yeah.
1: one had ever heard the slur before. It was determined that it was a slur, and he lost. He was an incumbent senator. But he
0: said it. I mean, he didn't just say it. He said, no, he it, said it to at a particular like,
1: person. I'm not defending his saying. No, he no, no. no I'm, I'm
0: just explaining like the reason why it was like a slur is because he he said it to like a person of South Asian extraction. Right. Like that's so that, why it
1: was. So that's one. And Trent Lott. Uh, in a, in a valedictory for, uh, Strom Thurmond, senile groper Strom Thurmond, uh, basically was like, <laughs> oh man, the world would have been so much better. And every Republican would, to their own majority leader was like, that's it, Lot, you gotta go.
0: This yeah. happened, these things <laughs> happened 15, uh, no, 10 years, 10 years, 10 years. Less- yeah, uh, the Trent Law thing I think it was like two thousand six, two thousand five, something like that. And when was Allen?
1: Around the same time. Must
0: have been a. I think that it was the. It was the campaign that Warner won, right? Yeah. So it was a two thousand six.
1: All right. So this Maybe. is a decade ago. Literally today, Gillespie, who is you know the most milk RNC lobbyist ever, is is running for governor in in, in Virginia. And he's running ads that basically are
0: like Ralph Northam will bring MS-13 into your house and murder you.
1: Yeah, they're 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 like billed for the NSDAP in the 30s. You know, it's, it's just it's the most yeah. ridiculous stuff. And, you know, Gillespie closed the gap and no Republican is like, oh, that's a bad thing. Um, you know, Roy Moore is <laughs> running for senator in Alabama on a platform of, of literally anti-constitutionalism. Not unconstitutionalism, like, there should be religious tests for office, gays should be murdered, and, you know, Republicans, even the ones standing up to Trump are like, and standing up, I use in the thickest air quotes possible, are like, yeah, you know, there'll be another vote in the Senate, that's cool. (laughs) And, like, this shit, so that, uh, 10 years ago, the internet existed, um, you know, and people were, even Republicans who were still venal and doing all the her- horrible things, and I would, re- again, also agree with Sam, eat glass rather than vote for them. They had, they had. I don't know, I, I don't mean to Keith Olbermann this, but they had a sense of decency, I think.
2: Yeah, well, I don't know if they did. I think my my, my theory is that this is the same... I I sort of think it's the Rubios and Gaudis of the world. I mean, I, I just think it's the same guys who are like, oh, shit, well, I got to keep my job, you know, got to... Got 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 to pander to the base somehow. They really seem to like this guy who fucking calls Elizabeth Warren Pocahontas on Twitter every day. I guess I have to break out the ethnic slurs if I want to keep them. Like I I, I do think I do think it's a little more sort of venal than just like being racist. I think they just think being racist plays well. Which it does, but why didn't it play
1: well ten years ago?
2: I mean, didn't it play well ten years ago? And and well, I just just think Trump is legitimate. I think Trump has legitimized a, you know, huge swath of the nation that secretly wanted to. I mean, so okay, so I'm going to get really dark for just a second here, Um, because we were having such a
0: light discussion before. Yeah, Yeah,
2: no, because it was so upbeat already. So I did a I did a long uh, piece that I kind of thought was about science fiction, but now I think was about murder. Um, A couple of years ago about this guy, Harold Covington, who is a terrible neo-Nazi who lives off the grid outside Seattle and um, self-publishes these sci-fi novels that Dylan Roof read. And I read some of these sci-fi novels as a prep for the article, because I thought this guy was sort of an interesting and weird character who'd been associated with three different spree killers. I mean and, and like across across vast differences, vast distances too. Like he like Roof didn't know him, Roof just read his stuff. And um and one of the so he he writes these kind of fantasies of the like Nazi revolution, of like the people rising up and ending the tyranny of diversity or whatever the fuck. Like in the, and, mode of the um, Turner
1: Diaries type stuff. What's that? In the mode of the Turner Diaries, like type stuff like that.
2: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Ex- yeah very much in the mode of the Turner Diaries. God, don't and, Google uh, that if you don't know what things, that is, listeners. Yeah. Uh, well, one of the things that he, one of the like, like moments that like is the glory of the revolution is that suddenly white people can say the N word again. <laughs> like, this is not, this is not a joke. This is not ironic. There's no sense that like, he, he thinks this is funny he's just like thrilled that all of a sudden the like shackle the shackles of like speech codes have been cast off of the oppressed white man and like that 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 was what led to this point is that you know these people can use ethnic slurs in polite company and i don't know that that feeling of elation uh is like limited to assholes like harold Covington, i think that actually describes a really like prevalent part of the sort of white american psyche that donald trump taps into and it depresses the shit out of me
0: (laughs) yeah i mean I, i i think i i agree with that you know i haven't read your your article but now i will and um uh yeah it's it really just does seem like the the thing that made it happen was that trump just showed that you could win doing that you could win being like you know this racist like sexual assaulting like individual like you could do all those things and it just wouldn't matter because like you were a white dude and that was it and now like all the people who are coming after him are like trying to outbid each other for like being the craziest because that is how you win right that is the, like now that the the that tool has been deployed uh, there's no incentive to ever back down, right? You're just like, The incentive is just to escalate over and over and over again because that's how you, that's how you win elections.
1: I, I think, though, that, I mean, so I guess one of the problems that I have with that is that we had a period of time in American history where you clearly could win elections with naked white supremacy, and elites decided that that was not okay. And by elites, I mean like Goldwater had a private sit-down with LBJ. This is Goldwater of opposed civil rights legislation, crazy, want to drop nukes on the Soviets, not Goldwater of his later years, like, oops, that was a mistake. And in their private sit-down, Goldwater and LBJ agree basically to not um, not fan, uh, you know, racial animus during their campaign, which would have been very yeah. easy to do. That that's very goldwater you know i mean like and trust me in 1968 you could say the n-word and a lot of white voters were not going to call you out yeah right like that was going to be a winning strategy then for for a lot of candidates democrat and republican and that's what i mean about the decency point like i get it trump showed it could be done everyone now is like all right well i guess you know there's a way to win but it even though the reagan's and the Bushes of the world were criminals in every way involved in deep criminal conspiracies should have been impeached. Hated the poor, hated African Americans. Like I, I believe that Trump is in a through line of continuance with those people. But I also think that you know they there were certain things that they wouldn't do because they thought that they thought you know that they were morally wrong. And I don't, I honestly don't understand how the Republican Party is just like yeah, no, screw it.
0: But so, like, I mean, my, my, my take on this a little bit is that um, in many ways kind of uh, this is this is this harks back to uh, uh, in, in another interesting article that um, that I'll we'll link it to in the show notes that uh, by uh, Corey Robin. And so um, he has a series of pieces where uh, he's sort of like his, his the thesis that he's advancing is that, you know, it, at the moment of its greatest triumph, conservative conservatism has like found itself undermined, that it has run out of like juice and ideas and like any kind of vitality and that like that doesn't mean that it will like the republican party will collapse tomorrow but that like the intellectual foundations that built the conservative edifice are like have been eroded and like all and in some ways like i i sort of think of that as that the conservative movement is like the dog that has caught the car right like it's yeah. always been like it's always been like it's been chasing it chasing it and chasing it, and like finally it got its paws on it like there it is and it doesn't like really know what to do with it except to keep doing the, all the things that brought it there because yeah like there's no rationale for any of this other than its own perpetuation and when that is the case when you don't really have like any kind of positive program that you want to accomplish and like i don't view as you know redistributing uh money to the uh billionaires as like a positive program that and anyway nobody wants that um when you don't have any positive program that you're trying to put through like you just don't you're you're just treading water, like intellectually you have you're you're just you just keep doing it just because you're there already, uh but you don't like you're not you don't have an endpoint in sight.
1: But I, but yeah, I guess the point of that is why'd they catch the car? I mean, you know, Josh they, Barrow. they worked really hard. Josh barrow on Twitter was like, you know, Democrats need to learn it's not a winning strategy to say how dare they. But on the other hand, like if you're right, and I think you are to some extent, I, I appreciate that Corey Robin argument, like. I don't think Republicans will get this tax bill through. I don't think they'll get Obamacare through. So I think they'll have no policy accomplishments other than like detaining 10 year olds with grievous illnesses who are not citizens. But like that
2: that was just nauseating. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I that's I I, that's just because I mean, I do I want to I want to kind of take Josh up on that, though, because I do think that. Well, wait, let Whether me, or let me not it's a winning say, strategy, yeah, sorry. Yeah, well, no, I mean... You, you do please, say how dare they. You just reflexively, like, how fucking dare they? Well, like, right, and, but also the point girl. is, yeah. if their entire
1: yeah. platform is is no policy, but it's just, like, we'll be shitty and racist and sexist, and that's a successful thing, you know, how does a Democrat fight against that? Like, okay, so we won't say how dare they, but we also won't apparently run on policy because that's also ineffective. So... Will we just? I don't know. I mean, I, I, I like it's. It's a great line from Josh, uh, and I like you know he's a friend of mine. But but I don't I don't know what the there there is. Okay, we can't yeah. say how dare they. We also can't run on policy. Um, we can't go after racist whites because they won't vote for us. We can't. I you know
2: I don't know. I mean. I mean, on some level, you have to say you're going to pave their roads. You know. You know, like the 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 DSA led a really successful. Um, driving, I think, Texas by volunteering to fix people's broken taillights, um, you, you know, uh, for free, like, you know, not, not so you'll vote for us, but just like, come by, we'll fix your taillight, we're the DSA, we do stuff like this. Like, I, I do, I do think that there's, the the point of government is that it's public money that's collected from the public and over which the public ought to have a, you know, say in the use. So I, I, I do think that there, there is a, I, I don't think racism's main benefit is that it gives form to your inchoate anger at the troubles of, you know, higher thought and climate change and other things you just can't do anything about. Like there, there's, there are more concrete benefits to stuff like, uh, you know, a library that your kids enjoy or, a you know, theater program at the school that are, then there are to like, you know, baiting your worst racial instincts i think
0: yeah i I think that there are a lot of people probably who since the election um maybe have learned that like because i think that there's this attitude in um in america among especially you know if you're like reasonably well-to-do and you're white and you don't have like too many like real problems in your life um there's this like idea that oh it doesn't really like like it doesn't matter so much like materially who is in office and what they do and what their ideas are and like all that stuff is kind of like window dressing so okay i can go and i can like vote for my like you know whatever preferred candidate of racial animus or whatever insane thing that i'm committed to Uh, and nothing will really change. Like the, the trains will continue. Well, we don't have any trains, so they won't run, but you know, like the, (laughs) the, uh, the roads will continue being repaired or whatever, like the libraries will stay open. And then like, turns out that that's just like, not the case. Like once, once this happens, like once the capture of like, of government by like right the right wing happens like you get kansas right you get yeah, all you get of these Four you get days oklahoma week of school like yeah. all of this stuff like it has real actual impact on people
1: but we can't win in kansas and oklahoma and don't tell me democrats there democrats and moderate republicans got together in kansas on the platform of Fund the schools so they stay open, which seems like a pretty uncontroversial platform. And, you know, basically the conservative Republicans still won there. And yeah. and that's the sort of like, you know, I'm pretty sure that moderate Republicans weren't saying how dare they in Kansas. Like they were saying, hey, you know what seems good? Keep schools open, which, again, seems like that should be a winning message. Uh, and yet they still got bulldozed. And that like, you know, I hate to be depressing, but. If Trump were at all functionally competent to, you know, like every good populist, like Trump would fix roads and stuff like I can't believe Trump hasn't been able to get an infrastructure bill through. I understand why he hasn't been able to get a bill through that, like, takes health care away from millions of people or gives billions of dollars to wealthy people. But, like, build roads, classic fascist strategy, like Trump plus an infrastructure bill. I I don't know if a Democrat can beat him in 2020 if he does that,
2: like. I mean, I, but I mean, the, but the thing is, the Trump is he like he is the most like bored half assed like that guy. He doesn't care about anything.
1: No, I know. Like, had it, more it, he's not yeah.
2: he's not even interested in wielding power. He somebody said that he wants to be president because he wants to be treated like a like a uh, like a dying child.
0: Like Trump take him
2: to Disneyland and stuff. Trump did not like, does not
0: want to be president. He wants to have been president. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well,
2: he he just wants
0: to generally be loved
2: and he's not going to be loved because he doesn't have a soul like that. The, you guys did that amazing two parter with um, with Alex Wellerstein on, you know, how he's like unilaterally in charge of whether or not to end vertebrate life in the solar system. And it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. It really is great it helps me sleep at night but like it, if an actual tyrant had that power he would a wield it effectively and b not use it like that that is that's the problem with trump is that he vaguely understands that he has that authority but he cares more about twitter and he just wants to do things that will get him positive attention so you you get the sense that like the only thing between us and denialation is like him getting dragged really hard by, like, crank T. Nelson. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. Can we wargame this out again for a little bit? So
1: the the Mueller investigation is going to carry on. And I don't think it's going to touch Trump himself, which has been a this is fine pod position for now, yeah. like, seven or eight months. And I I think that's still true. But it may make his administration even less effective if that's possible, especially if it goes up far enough. So I guess the question is like, A, do you two agree with that thesis that it's not going to hit Trump or he's not, even if it did, he won't be impeached. And then B, what do you, what do you think that are, are already powerless except for the ability to end all vertebrate life in the solar system? I love that Sam, Uh, are already powerless (laughs) president. Like, what do you think he's gonna do if if it if it goes up even further? And like, you know, is he is he gonna run again in twenty twenty? If he runs, he's the favorite, right? He he's sort yeah. of he's got to be, even with these approval ratings. Like, I don't know what what do you what do you guys think?
0: Sam, Jerry, you, you want to go? I'll
2: let you take okay. it. Okay. Okay. Um, well, so first off, I I think you're right that it probably won't make it all the way up to him, although it might. I mean, you got to remember that he and Fred have been. Um, selling real estate in little Odessa since the seventies. Like th- th- those, those guys are deep in bed with some of the worst people on earth. Like that. You're going to be reading the name Semyon Margalevich a lot in the near future. I think who is this sort of Russian godfather and, um and has ties through Dmitry Firtash to Paul Manafort and who's like, Bagman was Felix Sater's father, and Sater, of course, went around the, you know, uh, country flogging the Trump-named real estate developers. So, like, I, I do think that he is. I, I, I do think he has like he 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 has an established history in articles you can read in Bloomberg and elsewhere of like letting Russian mobsters run like high stakes card games illegally out of trump tower (laughs) like there's there's a there's a long list of things you could send him to prison for and i hope he does get sent to prison but um and and the direction of the Mueller probe i think is is really encouraging um However, it does sort of seem to me like he makes sure there are intermediaries that keep him from being you know, touched by any of those things, and uh, and they'll probably keep him from actually being impeached. But I also don't think – I don't think we'll have him for four years. I used to think we would, and I don't anymore. I, I think, as I say, he's just fundamentally a bored asshole who is as lazy as he is dumb and wants to be finished so wait, like I, th- I i think he's i think he's gonna step down he's apparently already asked people about what the process would be if he wanted to step down so wow. you think the Mueller oh,
1: probe doesn't get him but takes out sessions takes out kushner and he's just like screw it yeah,
2: I think he's just like, fuck it, I'm a billionaire, I'm going to go play golf. Well, as, I mean, as, 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 as annoying as, as, as annoying as, like, Obama is with his sort of, I mean, he, he's, he's worth a couple of bucks, too. I mean, all of these guys are, you don't really get into politics unless you're, you know, part of a certain segment of the, you know, like, what I would call the upper class. Like, they're not that great phrase from that slate star codex article that you sent me at one point, Jeremy, um, morally insane billionaires, like Trump belongs to a class of people who run the world. Um, he doesn't need to be a politician. He needs to buy politicians and tell them to do things he wants them to do. Um, so I, I, I think, I think he will get tired of it because being president as you know, terrifyingly powerful as it is, is, is like, is an actual job. Um, yeah, so that's my theory, Jerry. What do you think?
0: My so I, I don't know. I've I've been following um I, you know the the investigations and uh, trying to like make sense of what's going on there. I, I will point out that like the thing that sort of struck me about all this and that has that I've returned to over and over again is how inept all of these people are. I mean, they're just like shockingly stupid about how they're <laughs> committing crimes. They're like emailing each other like about subject line collusion with russia yeah like let's (laughs) it's like it's like if you're like gonna rob a bank you know don't send like emails to your accomplices saying hey let's go rob some banks and do some crimes like it's just like it's it's stunning to me uh
1: (laughs) to be fair the guy's biggest accomplishment before the trump campaign was a model un conference
2: so (laughs) i mean there's a there's a on Futurama. There's one of the fronts for the robot mafia is a is a storefront that says "small bills laundering" on it. That's what this shit always makes. <laughs>
0: um yeah and like in this manafort stuff that was just like completely out in the open and like we talked about it on like i think in in the over the winter when we were doing one of our shows we were just like it's all been published it's all been out there i mean like obviously you know the investigation has tracked down like actual evidence but like you could just look at it and be like oh hey this is like massively illegal anyway um having said that like I guess the thing is, you know, to me, I, I, I honestly did not know about this, uh, this uh, business of him, you know, asking about the uh, the procedure for stepping down. So uh, breaking news on uh, on the pod here. But um, I would have, you know, to me, I would have said, like, I don't think that the impeachment I I, I think I have a my, my, my record has been saying the impeachment won't happen, but not not because there aren't necessarily any actual connections to Trump himself, but more just because, like, Republicans find him to be useful and they are also terrified of their own base, like their own base would, like, rip them to shreds if they actually moved against him. So as long as he wants to be president, he will be president. Um, he, apparently he, 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 he asked doesn't.
2: McConnell if he should step down. Um, That's really that's pretty
0: remarkable that he actually talked to Mitch McConnell, huh? Yeah, in In, August. Wow. Okay.
2: well, wait, here's
1: here's the funny thing about the McConnell Trump relationship. I think McConnell actually is one of the few people in Washington who tells Trump to his face that he's fucking full of it. And I think Trump, (laughs) like many a spoiled child, reacts incredibly negatively publicly to that. But runs back to McConnell to ask him for advice because it's like well, it's true if you ever have a really shitty child and you like <laughs> not ours because ours will be perfect and wonderful Obviously. but like someone else's kid and you're like hey I know your parents let you do whatever but don't do that they will absolutely react furiously but also they'll respect it and since Trump is a huge bully. Uh, I, I do think I believe this entirely because to me, it's like y- he reacts furiously about it and then he'd be like, okay, Mitch, what should I do? You know?
0: Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, like it's sort of, you know, like, I guess he could quit. I, I, I that's certainly a possibility. Um, Guys, I may
2: have gotten, I may have gotten this wrong. <laughs>
0: I'm looking this up because if neither of you heard about it. Okay.
2: Um, yeah, no. I um, will just cut this whole thing from the pod. No no, 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 yeah. no. <laughs> No, I, tr- Trump asked whether McConnell should step down. I'm, oh, that's, that's uh, completely yeah, different. different. Yeah, that is yeah, that is yeah. the
0: opposite. Um, right. But anyway, I
2: apologize. Yeah, no, I suck.
0: No, that's um, fine. That's, I was, I
2: was, but see, like, you were but fantasizing. But, but actually, I like that I'm just continually illustrating the legitimation crisis. But actually, uh,
0: I think that this is like you know, it's it's not implausible that he would do this. It just seems to me that it would be like like stepping down as kind of like the ultimate backing down move. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like the there's nothing in Trump's history that leads me to think that uh, that's something he would do. He's an escalator and he is going to uh, escalate. He, he is, but he's also kind
2: of an outsider. Like he, he or he, he likes to position himself as an outsider. Like the other day when the when his um, Twitter got taken down for 11 minutes, he was like, oh, you know, the uh, he said I, the, they're trying to take my something along the lines of they're trying to take my Twitter down. I guess the word's finally getting out. <laughs> Like, you're, you're the most powerful organism on the planet. Like, the word was out, man. People know about you. But it, 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 he he kind of can't conceive of things in those terms. He has to think of himself as persecuted. despite. It would, it would require
0: a... having a theory of mind.
1: Yeah, which, which yeah. clearly he doesn't. Oh, yeah, so I, I agree, Jar. I don't think he's... I mean, it'll be interesting if he runs again in 2020, but I don't think he's stepping down. Uh, for exactly that reason that you raised, because right, it's a it's a dominance posture. I I do wonder like how much more dysfunctional the administration can get, and that's the thing that I do wonder. I'm about sure we'll find out. No, I mean <laughs> like... right because the Mueller thing, you know, right now it is um, barely holding it together. Um, yeah. This you know this is not fake news. Bannon reportedly actually did try and war game out if he would lose a 25th amendment vote on the cabinet which is pretty wild and like good lord uh you know if the mueller thing gets closer i don't think anyone's going to take him out i don't think they're going to impeach him but i do think that it'll be the only thing they'll do is confirm right-wing judges i think that'll be it and maybe name post offices or whatever yeah Um, but all that being said on the flip side of this, the thing that really worries me is that should be great for Democrats. And yet, yeah. and yet, oh man, it just, it seems like, um, and and the Don and Brazil um, fantasy pieces that have been going around are are the latest confirmation of this for me. Like we are, <laughs> the Democratic Party is in the worst political shape that it has been in uh in a in it's just inconceivable how bad the the political shape of the democratic party is in it it is losing winnable races um it is it is so obsessed with internecine hatred and it can't motivate the prime constituency who should be really activated for it
2: Um, i mean they can't even win runoffs in like a like seats where that have been vacated by appointees yeah like i yeah Yeah, no, it's really bad. I mean, the Brazil stuff is
1: amazing. (laughs) Let's see what happens in Virginia. But if Northam does worse than Hillary did in Virginia, even if Northam wins, think about that. Think about Hillary won that state by five points. Northam is a veteran who went to VMI, who is right, a doctor who works with kids, who is like from the rural part of Virginia and is a white man. And he is like in danger of losing to a swamp creature. Like I don't. Yeah. Like like how is the Democratic Party like? What are what are we doing wrong?
2: I mean, I don't... Well, I mean, it, it might maybe be better if he wasn't a you know white veteran who went to VMI. Like I don't know. I I kind of wish that I wish the Democrats would experiment with like black socialists in some of these you know little rural territories because you're not gonna you know. I just feel like too often the Democrats run candidates who look like less enthusiastic Republicans. Like, I, I don't wonder why John Ossoff lost in Georgia. He he was he looked like a carpetbagger to everybody. Like, it, it's I don't know. That, that's that, Tom that's Perillo, my theory. Tom, but Tom Perillo, yeah.
1: the more progressive candidate, despite being endorsed by everyone, former Sanders people, former Clinton people, former Obama people all endorsed Tom Perillo. And Tom Perillo lost going away to Northam. Uh, and Northam, in fact, was supported by, I believe, uh, a strong majority of persons of color in the Virginia Democratic primary. So, like, I don't know, you know, I, it,
0: I don't uh, think that the problem here is that, like, Ralph Northam is a, you know, veteran or that he's a doctor or whatever. Like, the thing is that you you can't like I mean, you can you can run on those things, but they are not themselves like super salient to a lot of people it's like okay you know whatever you're you are whoever you are but then like that doesn't i i don't think like i've never gone to the polls and been like oh hell yeah like i get to vote for i don't know this this person who's a veteran or whatever like all these external characteristics i mean they, they are important in like motivating people sort of on some level but they are not going to make the case for to like Republicans that they should vote for Ralph Northam like they're not going to vote for Ralph Northam. They do not care. Uh, they don't care that he's a white dude uh, with a, you know, with a military background. That just doesn't matter. So like, you no, they care about gay of, people like, Why, why flog that? Like, why be like, oh, like, I'm such a great personality. Like, I'm, the, you know, this wonderful, like, stand up guy. Like, who cares? You're not the people who yeah. <laughs> are already going to vote for you already know that the people who don't don't care about that aren't going to vote for you anyway. So just be like, hey, look, this is the stuff that I can do for you. Uh, that at least has a chance, I think, of mobilizing voters. But that's the, the criticism
1: voters. of Northam. Northam is criticized on both fronts. He's both criticized for running too biographical of a campaign, the critique you're making now, but also that he's got, he's, oh, it's it's the Clinton thing all over again. It's a hundred different policies. He's going to fix this well, and you, fix you that. You have to, like, one
0: of, those thi- one of those things is like, Uh, kind of a a, an attitudinal approach right you don't need you don't you you can have those hundreds of policies right you should have a hundred white papers sitting back but you don't run on white papers you don't campaign on those things you just be like we're gonna fix your roads like we're gonna like improve your schools whatever whatever that is but like stuff that people can digest right nobody digests white papers
1: i'm telling you northam is running against a guy who is running on ms 13 is In the sanctuary cities, which, of course, don't exist in Virginia, will kill you and will kill your white children. And that's what he's running against. And I am literally not sure. You know, we (laughs) it's easy to armchair quarterback. I'm not sure there's a message. Like, I think one of the scary things about it is that, you know, uh, Gillespie is. Shouldn't be a more compelling figure than Trump, nor should Northam be a less compelling figure than Clinton, I, I just think this playbook may be a winning playbook for Republicans, like against any like I don't know what the Democratic yeah like, I mean like I don't I don't know I think if Ralph Northam was like I'm gonna give healthcare to all children like single payer for children or something which appears to be the Democratic position it should be it probably will be in 2020 I don't know that that's a winning argument against uh, the MS 13 ads you know yeah
2: I mean I, but I, you know but you have guys like um
1: or the Confederate statue ads I,
2: I don't know it's 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 the i remain a little bit skeptical that like blatantly running on the fucking 14 words is gonna is is going to like actually bring people to the polls i do i i think there's kind of a a a broad I i think there's a disjunct between the like terrifying shitty people we see at the you know charlottesville and murfreesboro rallies And then the actual Republican base, like, I think the Republican base is super racist and horrible, but I don't think they're, I don't think, first off, I think the people who attend those rallies are maybe, you know, a a smaller group uh, than, you know, but I also think that they're not contiguous with this kind of Older group of like angry racists. I don't know. Maybe that doesn't matter. That, maybe, it, maybe it appeals to those people whether or not they show up to the rally. You know that you know the
1: split on remove Confederate statues. It's plus twenty seven against. Fifty four percent of
2: adults yeah. say
1: Confederate monuments should remain in all public spaces. Twenty seven are against. Yeah. And if you look, I at, wonder how uh, many
2: of those people understand they were put up in the sixties. <laughs> if you look
1: at whites and you look at Republicans, it get it's into the eighties for preserve. Uh, Confederate statues which, which is not look I don't think if you want to preserve a Confederate statue it means you're one of the neo-Nazis at Charlottesville I think yeah you're a bit of an idiot no you're but, right but yeah. you're not but on the other hand I do think it's a popular issue I like I, I, I don't know reconstruction didn't happen you know mic drop I don't
0: know. <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> I, I don't I don't know I mean yeah we can we can obviously you know sort of sit here and 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 do these kind of uh imaginary exercises uh to try and f- figure it out I, I don't know like I'm not advising the the northam campaign uh I m- maybe there is uh there's something that they really know that I don't know my sense is that you can't like when, when when that's the kind of rhetoric that you're running against like if, if you know we're, we're trying to we're trying to come up with like a, a sort of a counter message here right and the counter message can can be kind of can, can fall along like certain axes right you can you can have a counter message that says like um you know i'm gonna do things better materially for you or you can have you know sort of the the counter message that says like um Actually, all this racism shit is horrible uh, or you can have some combination of those. But my question is, like, it always comes back to you. is like, okay, well, who is who are you trying to motivate? Like, who are you trying to get out? And my feeling is that there are not like you need to be trying to get people to vote for you who are not already voting because the people who are already committed like one way or the other, their minds are made up like they already know what they want. They don't care about your message. Um, and it's just useless to try to appeal to them. And and like, I don't know. It like I seems agree to me with that, that. It seems to me like the Northam campaign does not agree with that. So I don't know. Uh,
1: look, I agree with that. But I, I go yeah. back to looking at the, I agree with that. I think we should focus uh, our efforts on Non voters, especially persons of color, I think that registration yeah. efforts are expensive, but we should focus on that. One thing I will say is that people who are disengaged from the political process, so-called low information voters, usually because of poverty, inequality, this is I'm not it's not their fault. It is a totally reasonable thing to be disengaged from the political process if you yeah. are underemployed and poor and the, in living in, in deep precarity. But or are
2: invested in your mental health. <laughs> I,
1: I think a deep problem with, with trying to win those votes on I will provide X service for you is that, A, they're very low trust, as they should be. And, B, there is an inability or difficulty to parse competing promises because it's not like the right runs on I'm going to take shit away from you. That's what they do when they're in office. But, you know, remember Trump ran on jobs. Um, even Paul Ryan runs on, you know, uh, like a, a message that a, that in theory is, um, you know, ap- appeals to 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 everyone. Like, I think it's a it's it, without having actually been FDR and provided farm insurance and done rural electrification, it's hard to go. And we own that because I think Democrats and maybe we're just Picking up the shit for 40 years Of abandoning some of the, the These policies and, and oh god I sound like Matt Stoller but like I But I don't know I, like um, Until we do It I think it's hard to, to say we're going to Do it again and convince people you Know like maybe, yeah maybe when we get I- in power And provide health care to everyone's kid Then we can be like look we did that Not the Republicans um, Yeah but, but like you know in, it, That didn't work for Obamacare like Fifteen million people in in Kentucky and West Virginia or whatever have health care because of Obamacare that wouldn't have otherwise, and it's not like Dems are popular. Uh, it's not like Obama is popular, uh, despite the – I think those were the two states with the highest uptake, right, in health insurance rates. Yeah, yeah, but anyway,
2: so. I do I do kind of think that the uh, another part of the problem because you talked about sort of forty years of Republican you know monstrosity, but I, I do I do kind of think it goes back. I think it's a little more recent than that. Like, I think you do have people, I I think you did have Republicans who were honestly trying to, you know, govern responsibly as recently as the 90s. I don't know if you guys read the long, it kind of got lost in the middle of the Facebook news this week, but there's a great long read of Politico on John Boehner. Um, Yeah, I read that. Yeah. Yeah. It's wonderful and one of the things that it, it notes is that when he got in as a congressman in the early 90s one of the things he observed was that the like the the congressional bank or whatever where you had to like you know have your paycheck deposited wasn't solvent. Like that's not a partisan issue. Like that that's a perfectly reasonable thing to sort of crusade on. Like and and he did and you know I I think I don't know if people went to prison, but people definitely got censured, and I believe had to step down over it. Like it, it was, it was a huge deal, um and I think, I, I think as you sort of very after that, you had this moment where just ordinary organs of conservative thought just started to go. F- Fucking crazy over the clinton presidency and if y'all will remember you know tony morrison called him the first black president um but it it wasn't because he was you know super pro-black people it was because morrison you know perceived i think rightly that he wasn't allowed to get away with anything even the normal political sins because he was perceived as you know kind of other and from a different class um and I think that that of the moment when like Republican snobbery ran aground on populism and in Clintonian populism and then had to adjust. And the last 20 years, 25 years, 26 years, I guess uh, we've seen are them really effectively readjusting to be a populist party on this model that won Bill Clinton two terms and off. Uh, but with a secret agenda of taking shit away from people <laughs> and, and and the stated agenda of just crazy racism, as as, as you observe.
1: Yeah. I mean, Clinton, I think a, an unfortunate bit about this is that, you know, Clinton's Clinton was also a faux populist, much like the Republicans are faux populists. Like, yeah, in, That's in a a, good point. the the thing that Clinton did that was best for poor people was full employment. But there's no government program that Democrats or Obama could point back to the Clinton era, and say, we could point back to the 90s and say, "Hey, there was prosperity and there was there was full employment." But we couldn't say, as we did with previous Democratic presidencies, you know, LBJ, you have Medicare, right? Um, FDR, you obviously have Social Security, and there was. I'm not saying that every Democratic president needs to create an entitlement, although frankly, it wouldn't be a bad idea. Um, no, it wouldn't. And unfortunately, you know. As I say that, the 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 thing is, Obamacare wasn't an effective enough entitlement to point at. You know, Democrats were so concerned that we would break a trillion dollar spending window in ten years. If they just make Obamacare subsidies more generous, do you know how popular that program would be? Like that's, yeah. you know. But maybe we have to wait until we win elections again, which I, I don't know how. I mean, we it's do. depressing
2: to yeah, it's depressing to see those numbers bandied about because they're they're just fucking imaginary. I mean, the the one people always talk about how the how the the um how the post office isn't solvent. The the post office has to fund its pension 75 years in advance because some Republican troll decided it. Like it's, it's not, you, you, you get these huge, very much of um, being in a remote bureau where people, people like would give you these budget numbers, but you weren't allowed to include like, it 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 reminds me a lot of like just having 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 your um your uh performance parsed in ways that are that that um are are sort of purely useful to the people who want to decide in their own favor how much money to give you which is a thing that happens at every institution not just the the federal government but but to see it sort of politicized and used to rob people of public benefits i think is you know infuriating <laughs>
1: No, no, no. I mean, it, it, to like, I, that was a cell phone, right? On Democrats' part, like, I hear you, Sam. That yeah, this is this budget scoring, and it's true for many federal institutions. Like the way that we look out in terms of budgets is not consistent.
2: Well, I, ju- I just mean it doesn't. It, I just like, mean it just it doesn't matter to these guys that it, that's you know you dump seven hundred billion dollars into the... Um, into the Pentagon's budget for, you know, for no, no reason. Totally. Mil- like military that kind of to... thing seems and, to happen all the and time. And plus the yeah. tax
1: cuts, like, for example, this tax cut's being scored at one and a half trillion. That's crazy because it's A, depends on dynamic scoring, meaning that they count higher growth. But B, it also depends on all of these tax cuts sunsetting, yeah. which of course they're not intended to sunset. They'll become permanent. The true cost of this tax cut's like five and a half trillion. And it's like, Democrats passed Obamacare on a party-line reconciliation vote, Um, and because of people like Joe Lieberman and Ben Nelson, they kept it to this incredibly tight, uh, had-to-be-under-a-trillion-in-the-ten-year-scoring-window. And it's just like there's no reason—no American, to Jerry's point about how people don't get out of bed and vote for veterans— I tell you what they really don't vote for. They really don't vote for like. Well, you know they they didn't keep it to a scoring window of nine hundred nobody. Billion. Gets. They <laughs> kept it only. They they missed that. It was a hundred. It was one point two trillion yeah. in the ten-year scoring window. Like
2: literally yeah. zero people. Yeah, uh, that, that is that that is an article with a nine-second attention time. Yeah, and, and um. so it's it's
1: that's what's frustrating, I guess, because um, and I'll I'll take some you know personal shit on this because I I used to think like oh like. Means testing programs was a great idea because you would, you know, not give benefits to the wealthy and also you'd be able to uh, provide more generous benefits to to various people, etc. But the problem is we mostly didn't do it to provide more generous benefits. We mostly did it to shave off imaginary dollars in future scoring. And like Republicans were just going to cut taxes as much as possible to say, oh, deficits are high. We need to cut services like Democrats got to run the opposite play bill. We got to have huge government programs that then become impossible to cut, so that we need to raise more tax revenue.
2: Yeah, and those programs. Sorry, I was just going to say those programs. You know, to your point about means testing, those programs really need to be available to anyone who wants to use them, and they need to be like you can't. It, it's it's so it's so like needlessly cruel to stigmatize the use of public funds. It's your money. You, know, you paid it to the government. You should be able to like check a copy of the new Stephen King novel out of the library without having to prove that you're poor enough. Like there, there's the... the the way poverty is stigmatized in a country that really still for whatever ridiculous reason believes of itself as a land of opportunity where you can get rich, you know, if you just want it hard enough, like it it can't be overstated. Like that's the, the mean testing stuff I do think of as, as like really cruel and, and sort of, um, and, and like, humiliating in a way that I think is unique to the United States to the people who use it, who, who use use those programs. I just think creating sort of a broad base of things, you know, beyond just roads for the cars that could be used generally and that people would be proud of taking advantage of, I, I think is, is the key to a lot of democratic success. Huh. But, We're the uh, only yeah.
1: welfare state that humiliates our poor so consistently. We're also the only welfare state where the poor and the wealthy look substantially racially different, I wonder <laughs> why we humiliate our poor so consistently.
2: Yeah, for sure. But, yeah,
0: there, there was a there was a point that I wanted to make, which is that like you know because I hate myself and you know obviously have uh, entirely too much free time on my hands, I watched uh, like forty five minutes of this uh, tax debate that uh, Bernie Sanders and Ted Cruz had, and um, it was a really miserable experience. <laughs> uh, even though I generally you know like my my Preferred politics is, uh, you know, quite close to uh, to Sanders on this, but it was just like painful to watch this whole thing. And the, one of the reasons it was painful to watch it is because, um, it was like this debate was happening within these bounds that were totally artificial and that were are very clearly like dictated by Republicans. And for all that, like Sanders, you know, has made like socialism not a dirty word anymore among uh, a certain uh, slice of the populace. It's still like that That debate was being conducted in an environment that was definitely structured by, like, Republican ideology. And I just want to hear somebody say, like, look, all this, like, bullshit about, like, 10-year windows and this, these fucking manipulations of, like, uh, you know, tax cuts that are, like, t- strategically intended to expire or not expire. Like, fuck all of that. Like, here's yeah. the thing. We." like have we are a wealthy society we have the money we can pay for this we pay a shit ton of money for other stupid garbage that like doesn't pr- produce anything good so we can just pay money for the stuff that we find valuable Healthcare is valuable education well, is and, valuable and i just want to hear somebody say that well we have the highest taxes yeah.
1: in the world
2: though jerry that's yeah. good <laughs> well good i mean the, the other i mean i wish we had the highest the other thing no no, is, no you, it's you the have the Trump to I know anyway. <laughs> the 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 notion that like I don't know. At some point you just have to admit capitalism has failed and we're headed towards a like global climate change we're headed towards a like global temperature rises of more than three degrees Celsius, which will leave the house I'm standing in right now, underwater, at least partly. I think we're, <laughs> we're
0: all we're all having this conversation in New York City. Um, it's uh, November fourth yeah. of the the day that is this is being recorded. I think the temperature outside today was in the was it like the high fifties? It was in the seventies yeah. yesterday. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I had the air conditioner. Extremely outside. normal for November. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, just wanted I, to say that I killed a mosquito on my infant daughter in November in, in New cool. York. That's cool. This like
2: terrible. that that fucking terrifies me. I don't want my son to die of climate change. Like the 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 thing that I just can't quite wrap my head around still. And I know nobody wins to talk about 2016. Not a single debate question about that. It's it's there was nothing. The, yeah. and,
0: and
2: like that that's that's gonna that's gonna end our society. Like it may not end the world and it may not end human life, but it will it will end the like it, it will end any possibility of like Huge reserves of eminently distributable wealth that can easily end misery for which we have cheap technological cures. Like that shit is over soon. I, I guess and- <laughs> I will.
1: I want to speak for one second in in favor of capitalism because I, I <laughs> you know, I I know that I know that the you know this might be like me trying to put up against Naomi Wolf, but. But basically, like, <laughs> I think what we have is a problem of the societal system of organization and costing and, and costing of externalities like pollution that are causing climate change, like poverty and inequality that actually reduce economic growth. Like, I think that our current system does a very poor job at dealing with those things and i am not sure in fact i'm pretty actively sure that the correct way to deal with that is a capitalism with a lot of handcuffs as opposed to a non-capitalist system like i i i am very mixed i'm not even making the socialism is authoritarianism claim like Maybe we could have a successful socialism, by which I mean, don't mean Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders is still a capitalist. I mean, like, ownership of the modes of production by the state,
0: but not yeah. have that
1: be authoritarian.
0: By but, the workers, not necessarily by the state. By
1: the workers in collectives. <laughs> but my argument is I would much rather, and as would Bernie Sanders, let's just try and be Scandinavia. Let's try and, like, use markets as the tools that they are and then, like deal with things because jerry's right we're a wealthy society we can and we should afford health care like we can we you know the the price to deal with with our with carbon for the entire world is like one percent of gdp for the next 50 years it's it's not that much like that's it that's it we can't do it we can't do we can't even we're not even gonna commit to Paris under Trump and Paris doesn't even get us there, but it's like not a crazy number anymore, um, in part because of technological solutions that I think have been are, are you know, I, I, like, like I, I, I just, I, I, I am also a pessimist. I also think that hundreds of millions of people will die because of climate change. I think that our society is incredibly short-sighted and cruel about this. But I think that what's really perverse about it is that we don't need some sort of millenarian and revolutionary change. We need, like, mildly higher taxes. That's what's so infuriating.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think this is the point where you really kind of run into the the, the way that the distributional effects of in, the inequality, like, actually ripple outwards. Because, you know, you can look at this on, the, on an aggregate scale and say, okay, 1% of GDP for the next 50 years. Ah, that's nothing. But, like... Somebody that that one percent you know has to come out of like somebody's hide, and when you distribute it across an entire society, you think okay, whatever. But uh, the people when who, like five people have ninety. But the five the people who control <laughs> all the wealth uh, are not going to look favorably on that, and that's you know you know I, so liquidate I, 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 the criminally I'm insane totally, billionaires. I'm totally happy to move like in the direction of Scandinavia, but my feeling is that like I don't know how that happens when you have a situation in which the people who are the most deeply invested in like maintaining power over the current system have all of the money and all of the resources and fund all of the politics. Um, and then you have to like go looking for candidates who are actually going to like stand up to that. And not just like one candidate, but like an entire political party that can mobilize like a movement behind that. Uh, that's just, that's very difficult. Like I, 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 mean, not, not to say that like whatever full socialism, you know, fully automated, gay luxury socialism is more more feasible it's just but it's just like both of these problems are extremely difficult because the resistance that's coming from uh from the from people who, you know, hold all the material wealth uh is extremely great even to these like minor minor changes. So, I don't know. It doesn't make me feel good.
1: Well, we we need a wealth tax.
0: Oh, yeah, I mean I totally agree but like again like it's it's like you can say yeah we need a wealth tax and you you know no, but like, no
1: democrats running in the same way that nancy pelosi doesn't want to say the word impeachment no democrat i believe has proposed a wealth tax in fact do you know the last presidential candidate to propose a wealth tax i bet it was nixon it was donald trump when oh, he was considering running for the reform I am party owned. i know i know
0: <laughs> but like yeah it's it's a joke right i mean it's like the the, the, the the cokes would not be able to dump their uh, you know their sewage in uh, the, the public uh, waterways and that's unacceptable so uh, we have the world we have now speed
1: round what uh what's the worst political thing uh, in a year of, of worst things that you think happened this year
0: oh it's such a it's such a difficult question to answer because there's so many awesome choices Um i don't know i mean like i think that you know for me um like i because i've been here talking about like the environment and stuff like that i think for me like the thing that is going to have like really awful ramifications is the appointment of scott pruitt to the epa I, i don't know if that's like literally the worst political thing that's happened but that's one of these things that is sort of like you know we talked about um Trump being able to get stuff done, not get stuff done, but like this is a great example of yeah. like this guy, total lackey, like in, ensconced in you know at the at the top of uh, the EPA's bureaucracy and just like destroying the agency from within. Uh, that's going to have like real like impact on people. Like people are going to die because EPA regulations are not going to be enacted
1: the um, latest thing was he kicked all the scientists. he kicked off? all the
0: he kicked all these scientists like all these independent scientists off uh the advisory panels that they were serving on on the grounds that like if you get funding from the government you're like biased because you got a federal like you got a grant from the government and he replaced them with industry people yeah yeah uh, they who are less biased? who are less biased yeah it, it's it's absolute like i mean obviously like it's all like all these stories are like it's all bullshit right i mean he's replacing them with like total flunkies. But like, I mean, to me, this is one of those things that like people don't like pay a lot of attention to it, but it's super important. And again, like, like, like lives are actually at stake here. So that's, that's my feeling. I don't know if that's like the worst, but that's the thing that I dwell on a lot.
1: I, I think that's really good. My nomination for it is, is what's happening in Puerto Rico because I think that, you know, it, it, it ties together the climate change environmental theme um, with, I think what's just done, un- like Puerto Ricans are citizens of the United States and, you know, Americans regardless of party generally come together when there's natural disasters and the federal government is obviously has had shortcomings, most notably Katrina most recently, but generally, um, has done a reasonable job. E- you know, even Trump's response in, in Texas and in, in, uh, in Florida, was, I think, actually pretty reasonable in terms of the aid that was provided. And that's, I think, what makes Puerto Rico so horrifying. I mean, there are still large segments of the island without power. The uh, feeding operations have been largely had to be done by private citizens. Um, There are uh, death tolls that are probably an order of magnitude higher than the official death tolls. Um, There's incredible health consequences. I was just reading about toxic mold that's growing because they're um, unmitigated uh, flooding in a lot of structures. And I don't, I think that it, it really has to be looked at as, as purely structural racism because if Puerto Rico were in the States proper, um, if we were any other group of American citizens who through the result of a natural disaster, were in such dire straits, um, it would just be the top of the news every day, and in the same way that I think uh, actually New Orleans was after Katrina, and um, and that you know that really contributed to the to President Bush's um, absolutely abysmal uh, approval ratings. And I I don't think that's at the forefront of a lot of people's minds. And I think that um, I've been happy about the incompetence of the Trump administration, honestly, because you know. I thought, oh, they could have done so much worse. But this is a queer area where their incompetence is uh, has just caused the deaths of hundreds of people.
2: Uh, worst political thing. Um, you're just spoiled for choice, aren't you? Um, <laughs> I think the uh, uh, Scott P- Scott Pruitt is really appalling. Um, just uh, just because all all I have is a hammer and so everything looks like a nail um the the web of like russian oligarchs who purchased or like who who who, like illegitimately purchased or outright stole the assets of second world countries after perestroika just like those guys just like flowing into American politics all of a sudden disturbs the hell out of me. Yeah. I I really
0: wanted to do an episode on this, but you know, then fatherhood derailed all of that, but uh, we'll, we'll come back to this topic.
2: Please call. I mean, I, you know, you guys should, you guys know a lot of great experts, but I would love to be a part of that because that is, that is insane. Like some of these guys, the one guy, and I can't remember his name seems to have stolen most of the Kazakh treasury. Like just just took out loans through shell corporations from the national bank, uh, until he had like ten billion dollars, and then like moved, like that that and that these guys are in American politics now, like that that they're just pirates, and seeing them involved in our you know kind of already like weakened economy scares the bejesus out of me because i think it'll just i think it'll just change the effect just destroy the effectiveness of everything but yeah sorry
1: don't you miss the obama era when they just bought soccer teams in london now they're coming here
2: (laughs) (laughs) um yeah did you know uh, paul manafort's um uh passwords were like Bond
0: 007. It was on great. Everything. It was so good. Yeah, so good. <laughs> it was so good. It's so. Good. He's literally that scene from Spaceballs. <laughs> <in> the, <laughs>
1: this is the
0: password some idiot would have on his luggage. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> All right. Oh, well, okay. this has been right. an exciting uh, and uh, definitely triumphant return to form yeah. for us. Thank you, Sam, very much for joining us.
2: Thank you so much for having me and and asking me to talk about the things that people usually ask me to stop talking about.
0: Oh no, we we love never stop talking. <laughs> Please never stop talking. <laughs> we love <I> it. <laughs> All right,
2: thanks, listeners.
0: All right, alrighty. Take care, guys. Bye, bye. Right. Bye. All right. Well, thank you very much for uh, for listening, and uh, hopefully we'll see you in a couple weeks uh, with uh, um, an episode. We haven't. We don't know what it'll be on, but uh, it's sure to be uh, very exciting.